This is 110% Improvability, the podcast about working with you and the business you're in. Hello and welcome back. Um, today I thought we'd do something a little bit different uh, since it's Father's Day. Uh, I thought we'd uh, talk a little bit about process and quality. Uh, what else would you do on a Father's Day? But, but this time I brought my dad. So, Dad, how about an introduction? This is Bert Jones. Um, but I thought he'd uh, be a good person to have uh, a conversation with. So, tell us a bit about yourself. What's your background in process and quality, and why should we talk to you? It's very interesting why you should talk to me. Uh, one, I'm your dad. But um, back in 71, I got uh, in introduced into process quality and quality control um, via the automotive industry. I came over from the UK in 1970, joined the motor industry in Australia in 1971 as a quality control inspector. And I spent 15 years in the quality control department, uh, eventually ending up as supervisor of one of the sections. from then, I moved into um, quality circles, which was one of the things we'll probably talk about later, um, and spent quite a number of years involved with that, and then moved into the, the training department, where I was um, the training officer, training guarantee came into the Australian system, and so it was my responsibility to ensure that everybody got the adequate training, and the company were um, spending the uh, required amount of funds to improve training and quality of um, employee within the within the organisation. Yeah, I remember you used to run the apprentice program. Um, I remember you uh, <laughs> yeah. so it was teaching people about process and quality. I remember you had me sit the apprenticeship exam when I was about fifteen. I did really well on that exam, as I remember. Yeah, well. That was that was an interesting situation because um, taking over the apprentice training, um, one of the things we could have done was um, outsource the selection process, but we decided that we wanted to um, try and make it company specific. So I sat down with a couple of, of my supervisors and we developed a training program, a, a selection exam. Uh, which included general knowledge, mathematics, English, so on and so forth, uh, to, to assure that we were hiring the, um, the, the appropriate people. But um, we needed to test that. So, yeah, I took, took one home and, and got you to sit down and do the thing. And, yeah, you did pretty well. You, 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 you blitzed it. All the theory was perfect and everything else. But uh, when it came to anything else, how you ended up as an engineer, I do not know because I always said then, I say it now, you've got the mechanical aptitude of a duck. See, I can't even bring my dad onto this program without ending up with a duck joke. Um, but anyway, moving on from pointing out my, my lack of any mechanical ability, um, look, we've all seen lots of uh, process and quality systems over the years. Um, uh, and you mentioned quality circles, but uh, you, could you want to just tell us a few that you've been involved with uh, over the years? Oh, um, well, quality circles was was the main. most of these things are, as you possibly will realise, originated in, in in Japan mainly, uh, and some from other uh, Asian countries, which got involved with the uh, with these types of things. It was a different process, whereas instead of just the operator having to um, just do A, B, C, D, as in the Henry Ford 
process. Um, now they also had to be looking for variations and, and anything else that um, they, they noticed because they handled every product 100% of the time. So do you, you meaning quality control in this? Yeah, well, we had quality control. The quality control basically was, was um, inspecting. You can't inspect quality into your product. You have to build quality into your product. So you can't just go looking at it. You can't just go doing audits. You can't just go taking random samples and so on. That's all well and good. And then it gives you confidence that everything else is in the place. So um, then you started running into um, quality assurance, which was trying to predict things coming up by using all sorts of different trend charts and histograms and all these sorts of wonderful tools. But doesn't this just make things slower? It, it can do, but it also confuses the operator who probably doesn't have a, 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 a higher an education level as you expect them to have, and you still expect them to be able to understand all of these things that they're doing. So you basically had to just boil it down to a simple process, take this, check that, measure that, and write it down, and let somebody else do the analysis of it. So therefore you have a quality assurance department being developed. Uh, and they did the things, the uh, uh, inspection or the uh, analysis of what was going on. Um, but the poor old operator was still having to do the job and get the numbers of the doubt of the door at the end of the day. Otherwise, they were in trouble the next day. So they were running into quantity versus quality errors. And well, that sounds like there was quite a, a challenge that it would end up uh, creating conflict in organizations if you're saying Absolutely. that... Uh, it's all about driving the numbers. It, it, it is from one department. I mean, your sales department were always driving the numbers. Um, your quality department were always trying to make sure that what went out the door was as good a quality as you could possibly make at the time uh, with the equipment that you had. Um, then you had the quality department always complaining that the equipment wasn't good at building the stuff well enough. So therefore the engineers got involved and, and so on. So yeah, there was, there was usually interdepartmental conflict as to um, what went out the door at any one time. And, and I guess this is something that I've seen in a number of organizations, having worked in manufacturing, uh, banking, uh, you know, finance, utilities. There, there, there is always this internal conflict around compliance with process uh, and making sure that the product or service you're providing is the best possible standard. What I'm not hearing here, and I guess I have the same issue when I go to many organizations, is where the customer is involved in all of this. Because in a lot of cases, the customer is almost as, is almost considered an afterthought in quality, which is, I find it quite remarkable. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not a bad analogy. That, um, but yeah, um, and basically, um, we didn't see, or I didn't see a lot of the customer situation apart from the customer's quality control and quality assurance people coming back and telling us whether we'd done a good enough job. So we only had dealt with quality people in, in in our customers organization so um so basically um they would come and tell us this is not working that didn't work why and, and come and do audits and, and uh, check checks and um, what we were doing and why we were doing it and so on we run into um all sorts of different things the customers quality control department wanted specific types of checks done 
we weren't doing them. So therefore, we had to then learn how to do the check specific to that company. But when you have seven or eight different customers, uh, and each one wants a different way of doing the same job, um, you start running into other more, more conflicts. So um, we had to try and standardize. A lot of standardization came through with uh, ISO 9000. Um, and that worked out reasonably well, but that was only got the major customer at the time, uh, which was Ford. Um, so we, we just did everything the Ford way. <laughs> well, interesting. there's a couple of points you mentioned I wanted to touch on. So the first was that uh, you just mentioned ISO 9000. The most recent ISO 9001 standard, and again, hey, every listener to this program will be fascinated with, uh, with it when it comes to international standards. Mm-hmm. But um, the new ISO standard uh, does actually require that you have a customer feedback loop in your processes. You also mentioned, though, that... Um, and it was a good point to make, is that you can't inspect quality into a product or service. You actually have to build it in. And one of the things that the new ISO standard does is actually requires that customers are involved in the inspection of your process. So they give you, get, give you feedback on how your process made them feel. And I think this is something that gets overlooked many times when it comes to quality. People look at quality in the product itself. But they don't necessarily look at the process under which you've built that that product or provided that service, and you know everyone's trying to give trying to look for the cheapest price. Well, customers tend to start out looking for a cheaper price. However, most customers are looking for value. They're looking for uh, what is it that they're going to receive and how you're going to make them feel after after the event. Customers, the the, the delight in associated with a cheap price fades far quicker than uh, than the dissatisfaction of if you've made them feel like an afterthought. If you involve your customers in the process, um, th- then if right from the outset, people tend to feel better about how they receive their product or service. And I think, I think you'll find that um, in most cases, customers have good insight into uh, how you can improve the way you do things. So right, while you may ask them to, to inspect your product, Sometimes it's a good idea to actually have them come in and look at the way you do things, the way you provide the product and service. Was this something that you found um, over time was being developed? Oh, absolutely. Um, we were constantly um, being annoyed by customers coming and um, talking to us and telling us we were doing it wrong. And we, we took um, great delight at times, in actual fact, when we actually went to uh, the customer's plant and saw how they were handling our product and told them they were doing it wrong. And we gave them ideas of how to make their process better as well. So it, it became a, a nice two-way street. We had some nice um, feedbacks but, uh, from them, um, but the, the best ones I remember were, was after um, we had a, a major catastrophe, which we, we, our quality control and quality assurance systems had missed. And there was, you know, we, we contacted the our customers very quickly, told them that there was a problem, sent teams out to their plants to correct them and, and have them well, fixed and repaired and done before it actually affect their output. And we got great commendations for, for, for acting that way and, um, and putting the customer's requirements first rather than fixing it up, you know, we had teams at the back at the back of the plant um, repairing it from that point of view and going to our suppliers, which is what caused the problem in the first place, um, uh, 
and, and, and working right through the whole chain um, to, to fix it. And we got some wonderful feedback from our customers. And that, that felt good. So, I mean, this is, this is kind of where I'm, I'm heading in this conversation, that you know, your delivery to your customer also relies on you being a customer potentially of your supplier. Mm. And I've seen a lot of, there's a lot of uh, focus on transformation at the moment, and it, which really is a, a big fancy word for, hey, help us change something. Mm. Um, but organizations tend not to want you to perform change on them. Before, yes, change is not something you do to somebody, but to do change well, it's something you do with people. You help people go along that pathway. I hate the word journey, but that's really what it comes down to is to help them on that journey from where they are now to where they want to get to. It's having a common understanding of what you're trying to achieve and getting there in the most effective means. Um, you, listeners to this show would have uh, heard me use the phrase before that uh, there's a big difference between being efficient and effective. If your, if your process just produces crap and you make it more efficient, you're just producing more crap faster. And that's not something that anybody wants, um, unless you're a fertilizer manufacturer, potentially. But if you're working with your customers and your suppliers, you're going to get a much better outcome. And that I think is the common thread. If you look back over all the different quality systems that, that Dad's now mentioned, back to you know your quality control, quality assurance, right through your Kanban, Six Sigma, um, all of these really comes down to a common thread. Have a common outcome that your customer defines your quality and be adaptable and be able to change. Don't just assume that your process is what has to is what has to work because your process is only there to produce an outcome which means it should be the thing that's most easily adaptable. Um, let your customers define your quality, but work with them and have them come in and be transparent and, and look at what you're doing to, to get a better outcome. And if you, can, if you can work with your customers and look at what they're trying to achieve, maybe your new eyes on what they're doing will help them achieve more. And that's going to help everybody sell more, do more. And it really does help everybody, not just um, uh, make you feel good, but it's going to help your bottom line as well. And your suppliers. Well, yes, absolutely, and your suppliers. I mean, if you can work upstream as well as downstream, you now have a value chain that just works. It means that you can adapt, you understand each other's needs so that you can be proactive. Reacting doesn't work, and that's really what quality control was. It was reacting, taking out the bad stuff, which means you've already made it. You've wasted a lot of time and money and effort. So quality assurance shouldn't just be restricted to the products and services, but also how you go about it. Um, so, yeah, did you have any um, any last comments you wanted to make on driving a quality culture in that regard? No, I think we've covered the main thing. The, the communication is, is what it's really all about. It's, it's, it's a matter of not being frightened to talk to your customer, to talk to your suppliers, and not be too proud to say, oh, hang on, maybe you have a better idea than we've got. And I'll work with it. So in, so in 50 years' experience and quality that you, you've had, uh, yeah, it comes down to nothing much in the ultimate philosophy has changed in that time. It's communication. It's making sure that you understand a common goal and work together. Yeah. We can we can glorify it up in as many different ways as you like and have lots of these buzzwords and, and things. And yeah, we've all been trained in uh, many different methodologies, but ultimately 
your customer defines your quality and your, commu- your communication is key. And that's what makes the difference. And that's what makes a better product, better service and a much better business relationship. Absolutely. Look, thank you very much for joining us here on 110% Improvability. Um, we will talk to you soon. 110% Improvability is a production of Improvability Proprietary Limited, a business focused on improving your performance through people, process, and projects. If you want to contact Improvability, please do so on 1300 246 943 or send them an email on info at improvabilitysolutions.com or check out their website, www.improvabilitysolutions.com.